Good morning. Good to see each of you here today. I have a few announcements. First, a reminder for the confirmands that our class will meet today at 4.30 in the social hall. This is the last one before the Palm Sunday and Easter break, so it's important that you're there. Also, a reminder, the day is library day. That's a change that we made due to Easter, and that's today. Next Sunday is Palm Sunday in the beginning of Holy Week. And the Easter egg hunt on 419 at 10 o'clock needs some volunteers. So if you would like to help uh, Katie uh, volunteer, let her know, please. And then also we want to have a moment. Um, Bob McQuaid is going to come up here to the, to the uh, lectern. and uh, Come on, Bob. And we want to have a moment about the planned Holy Land trip. He's going to tell you a little bit about that, so give you some information. And then we will begin our worship together. And I appreciate this opportunity to share a little bit about the upcoming trip to the Holy Land. We are planning for February of 2015. When Bobby and I joined the church recently, and the pastor discovered that we had uh, taken several groups to Israel, he said, I'd like to get a group from this church. Will you help? And I said, yes, we will. We will do the work and we will uh, take a group. So we are planning for it. It is a spiritual journey. It is not simply a tour where you go and you look at interesting things, take a few pictures and come back home. But we've had people go who have said to us afterwards and some have put in writing, this changed my life. Now I don't promise you that it will change your life, it might. But I promise you that you will never read the Bible again in the same way. Because as you read, what you read will bring images and pictures back to your mind as you stood by the Sea of Galilee where Jesus called his disciples. As you stood on the Mount of Olives and looked over Jerusalem as he did. As you went to the Garden of Gethsemane and knelt there in prayer as he did and as you go and look at the empty tomb, the garden tomb it is called. They do not claim that that is the exact tomb, but it may well have been. It goes back to the period, and it really certainly looked like the one in which Jesus was laid and came forth from the grave. You'll have an opportunity to look inside, and it is located in a garden and there are various little assembly areas throughout the garden of various sizes where we as a group can meet and be led by our pastor in a worship service and receive communion. I invite you to go this coming February. Next Sunday, we will have all of the details, the itinerary and the cost. Plan on it now, plan to invite your friends, Go with your church members. Invite people from other places. And uh, it will be an experience of coming closer to our Lord that you will never forget. Thank you. Thank you.
The Lord be with you. Also with you. Let us pray together. O God, our deliverer, guide now the people of your church that fallen our Savior. We may walk through the wilderness of this world toward the glory of the world to come. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. affirm our faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. 
I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. children come forth. Good morning. Well, what time of year is it right now? It's Easter time. What season are we in? Spring. Although you can't really tell much this morning. It's chilly outside, isn't it? Still warming up or getting to those warm temperatures. But what symbol, what are symbols? Do you guys know what symbols are? It's something that stands for something else. Statue of Liberty represents our freedom. That's exactly right. So what are some symbols that we see at Easter? What are things that remind you of Easter? Easter eggs, the cross. Um, springtime reminds us of Easter. You know, um, spring break. Well, what happens in the spring? Flowers bloom. Everything looks really pretty. We've been in winter. And... Um, that is also a time of rebirth. You know, Easter is a time that we celebrate what Christ did for us on the Christ. He shed his blood for us so that we can, um, you know, have our sins forgiven. And one other thing that is a symbol of Easter, what do we see a lot? Easter eggs. Now, a lot of times you see Easter eggs, they're made of chocolate or they have things inside of them. But there's also another symbolism behind the Easter egg. Does, do you guys... Have you, want to take any guesses? Colors, okay. Some cultures paint Easter eggs red to symbolize Christ's blood, but a lot of our eggs are more pastel and spring colors, right? Green eggs, green, you know, means growth and rebirth. Pink, yes. Um, so when I open this egg, what's inside of there? Nothing. And in a few weeks, we're going to celebrate Christ's resurrection. And when Mary and Mary Magdalene went to the tomb, there was nothing in the tomb. Christ had risen. And we can celebrate that because of what he did for us on the cross. Now, this is an old book that I have, and I read a lot of this book to my son, Tom. And it has great illustrations in it. And this is what it looked like. I would show it to the congregation, but they're not going to be able to see, so I'll just show it to you guys. But this is what the resurrection looked like. 
Okay, they went to the tomb and Christ's body wasn't there. And we can celebrate that because we know that he's in heaven and looks over us. An angel was there, exactly. You see the angel. And this particular part in this book is called The Happiest Day. And we can celebrate that. Okay, will you guys bow your heads and pray with me? Dear God, thank you so much for the Easter season and what it means to us. We thank you so much for what you did for us on the cross. We ask that you continue to watch over us and help us to remember, even though we have a lot of symbols and things like eggs and other things around Easter time, that we remember the true meaning of, of what Easter is. And all these things we ask in your name. Amen. today is from Psalm 130 verses 1 through 8. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to hear my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, keep kept a record of sin, Lord, who could stand? But with you there's forgiveness so that we can return reverence serve you i wait for the lord my whole being waits and in this word i put my hope i wait for the lord more than watchmen wait for the morning more than watchmen wait for the morning israel put your hope in the lord for the lord is unfailing love and with him is full redemption he himself will redeem israel from all their sins this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks.
Let us bow our heads in prayer. Oh God, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Oh God, through your spirit, you give us life. You hear our cries and your ear is attentive to our supplications. And for your continuing mercy, we offer to you our thanksgiving and praise. We come today now, Lord, reminded that even though we've been called to be your children by your spirit, we must confess we so often follow the way of the flesh. And in seeking to please ourselves, we know that we fail to please you. But you have shown from generation to generation that there is forgiveness with you. So we pray this day, O oh Lord, that you'd help us. That you'd help us and redeem us. And remind us that we are the children of your making. We're also reminded this day, O oh Lord, that when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, you showed us the way of your life. And so we pray that you'd pour out your spirit upon us anew, that we may be enlivened once more to carry the good news of your love. We pray that you'd strengthen us to walk in the day as well as tonight by filling us with the light who is Christ. And just as your son comforted Mary and Martha, we pray now that you would comfort all this day who mourn. Lift up all those who are fallen. Be with all those who are lonely. Give relief from those who are suffering, whether it be that they are ill in their minds or body or spirit. And we pray this day, O oh Lord, especially for those on our prayer list and those in our hearts we name now. Help us all, O oh Lord, to accept your good and perfect will and help us use those infirmities that we have for your glory. Hear our prayers this day, O oh God. We offer them in the name of the one who is the resurrection and the life. Jesus Christ, who is our Lord, who taught us to pray with these words. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us continue our worship with our giving. Let our ushers come forward at this time.
DC. John chapter 11, the story of Lazarus runs from verse 1 through verse 44. And I commend the total reading to you this day, but I'm only going to read some selections. Beginning at verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick, and he was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. And so the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And when he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. And Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And yet, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. On his arrival, I'm to jump to verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. Verse 21. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is to come into the world. And then I skipped down to verse 34. He said, Where have you laid them? And he asked, and they said, come and see, Lord. And then it says, Jesus wept. In verse 39, take away the stone, he said. And Martha, the sister of the dead man, said, by this time there will be a bad odor, for he has been there four days. And then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And then he had the stone rolled away, and he said, Lazarus, come forth, come out. And the dead man came out alive, still wrapped in his burial clothes. And Jesus said, take off the clothes, grave clothes, and let him go. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you this fifth Lenten Sunday as we begin to enter into Palm Sunday and Holy Week. That we're reminded of your power over death and the resurrection of your friend Lazarus then prefigures your own death and resurrection for us. Help us by the power of the Holy Spirit to see and to understand what you'd have us to see and understand today. We pray in your precious name. Amen. For me, one of the hardest things that I have to handle is what to do when God does not do what I expect God to do. How do I handle what I expect God to do but God doesn't do? And we, we can look at this story in lots of different ways, but it seems to me like one of the crucial things you have to get beyond at the very beginning is this Jesus loved them, but he stayed 
two more days where he was. And that's incredible to me. That is the part of the story that I have always found hard to handle. We know from the record of Scripture that this home of Martha and Mary and Lazarus was one of the most welcome havens for our Lord during his three years of ministry. You'd almost say they were like family to him. That's how close they were. And yet, Jesus waits. He waits. Now, someone might say, well, you know, he knew Lazarus was, was going to die, and he knew that he was going to raise him from the dead, so what's the big deal? Why did he need to be in a hurry? But you see, what we have to remember is that Mary and Martha's heart, their hearts were breaking. And Jesus' presence with them would have been a tremendous comfort, even if he didn't do anything about raising Lazarus from the dead. And yet, Jesus deliberately remains two days longer at the place where he was. Why? I've always found this hard to understand. When you have gone to God for help, which you feel you desperately need or someone else that you love desperately needs and nothing happens. When your heart is breaking over something and you need God to intervene, but the, the heavens are silent, it is tough. It's tough to understand. It's, it's, it's tough to accept. I have been there with some of you. I have been there many times in my life when we've cried out for God to help and nothing happens. Do something, Lord. And no answer came. And, it, and this is one of the most difficult things I ever have to confront in my life and in my life as a pastor. It's why does God not do what we expect God would do? I wish I had some easy answer for you today. Some platitude I could give you that would make you feel all warm and fuzzy inside and leave this place and say, oh, that's the reason, that's the answer. But what I have instead for you is what I have learned over several years. As my hair has fallen out and turned white, I have come to grasp something that is very important. Something the prophet Isaiah told us when he was explaining God to the people. He said, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. You see, there are dimensions of the problems which God sees that we do not remotely imagine. I am beginning to learn that, that what we think is the end of the story is not the end of the story. I am beginning to learn that there are possibilities and opportunities in every situation that we cannot even conceive of that can only be conceived in God's mind. And what we see as delays or God's indifference or God's failure to hear is not that at all. It is kind of what we learned last week and what Jesus kind of implied Things happen, but the glory of God can be shown through them.
This, as all things, is another example of a chance for God to be glorified through the situation. Now, when you're in the middle of that situation, that sounds a little bit like a platitude. And I have struggled with this myself in many times. One of the hardest things I have to do as a pastor is to confront and talk to families in the midst of someone almost passing or have already passed. It's doubly hard when it's somebody in your own family. I never dreamed when I followed my call in the ministry that I would actually have to conduct funerals for people I loved. I've had to conduct a funeral for my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, two of my aunts. And right now my uncle is in ICU in Mission Hospital in Asheville. And his son, when I went up to see them um, Thursday, told me that dad had said he wants you to do his funeral. That's a hard thing to do. Because you hope that you can just look out there and look at that person who's sick and say, come forth, rise up out of that, out of that bed. Oh, how I wish that I could do that in every situation. And yet I know that there's a reason for all things. And I know that even when we think everything is lost and there's no hope, God still does things in remarkable ways. God still does things that totally reverses our view. And oftentimes we can't see them at, at that particular time, but we can see them looking back. We can look back and go, you know, if that hadn't happened, so-and-so would not have found their way back to the church. So what I have learned is that we must wait. We must wait. And waiting is the hardest thing to do, isn't it? We must wait. We must quietly trust. We must know that God is working. Even if it's out of our view, we must know that God is bigger than anything we can see. That God is greater than any tragedy that confronts our eyes. And we must realize that God acts, and God acts in His own time, in His own will, but it's still worked for good for those who love him. Now Martha greets Jesus with a phrase that must have been frequently on their lips when Lazarus was sick. Lord, if you'd just been here, my brother would not have died. That's the same word we express every time we go, Lord, where are you? I need you. How come you aren't here? How come nothing's happening? Why isn't things changing? But just like those words are, are spoken in anguish and sometimes even anger, I don't believe necessarily that they are spoken this dime in anger. I don't think Martha was speaking in anger. I think she's speaking in regret, and I think that's the other thing that happens to us all the time 
is we speak in regret. If I had only. But Jesus confronts her with what sometimes would seem to us like a platitude. Jesus says, your brother will rise again. Now, you know, if Martha had believed that that was going to be immediate, she would have said, oh, great, Lord, let's go to the tomb right now. Come on, follow me. But that's not what she says. She repeats the platitude back to him. She says, yes, I know. He will rise again in the resurrection the last day. You know, we are really good. We all are really good at quoting scripture back and forth to each other, aren't we? Instead of necessarily doing what is so much more important, and that is being present to people, to each other, and to share each other's burdens. Martha, you know, I don't know what she's looking for from Jesus, but she doesn't expect immediate resurrection. Maybe she's just expecting some comfort, an arm around her. And that's possibly why Jesus wept. Lots of people will tell you, oh, Jesus wept because he, and even the scripture says, oh, look, he loved his friend so much he's weeping. But I think he felt in his spirit the comfort that Martha and Mary needed that they hadn't had. You know, Mar we are so much like Martha. And if you listen to this story carefully, you'll see that her thinking is also the way I, we think. She believes in what she's read. She believes in something that will happen maybe in the future. But she doesn't believe in what God will make happen right now. And so often we're in this same position with regard to the Lord's work in our lives and our brokenness in our experience of grief or our experience in despair uh, of the situation. Uh, we weep, yes, but we weep and expect nothing. All we expect is heartache for today and for as long as we live and breathe. But if we will remember that Jesus wept, it will help us. it will help us to know that Jesus has a compassionate heart and still has that same compassionate heart. That same compassionate heart overruled his mind. His mind said, don't worry, he's going to rise again. His heart said, oh goodness, they've had to go through this. And no matter how wonderful it's going to be, when we all get to heaven, we still had to go through this passage of death. That's why he weeps. And I, for one, wouldn't want a Lord who didn't. And it's that compassionate heart that I want to leave you with. That compassionate heart that weeps, that shares in the heartache, sympathizes with them in their pain, and us in our pain, even though he knows that he is the resurrection and the life. Even though he knows Lazarus will be resurrected. Even though he knows we'll be resurrected.
and all those who have loved the Lord that we love will be resurrected. You know, the Apostle Paul, Romans 12, was in his advice to people on what they needed to do, he said, weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. And that's what our Lord is really doing in this example. Knowing exactly how he's going to turn things around, his compassionate heart beats in solidarity with ours. So what is the so what of all this? How's this pertinent to us today? What do we say to each other in the face of tragedy? Well, you know what? It's going to sound like another platitude. But it's the best one I can ever, ever repeat. What we say to each other in the midst of times that the Lord seems silent in our life, what we say to each other in the midst of those tragic times that are part of life, what we say to each other is simply this. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. There's been no more powerful words ever spoken on this earth and all of history than Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And we need to remember that in the midst of whatever it is we face. That means a lot of things. It means things like Jesus is present. That means that Jesus' spirit is with us. That means that Jesus walks with us in all situations. It means that Jesus knows how to handle every situation that we might be in. Jesus knows how to lead us through every situation. And not only that, but Jesus can and in fact raises the dead every day. Every day. Someone opens their eyes and sees the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I wish I could tell you that there is not one problem ever you will face again in your life. But I can tell you this. If you will stop focusing on the solutions to the problem. If you'll stop focusing on the working out of the problem. And you'll start focusing on Jesus Christ. Crucified and risen. If you'll start to trust in Jesus instead of your own understanding. If you will believe in Christ as, being, as present to you in every situation despite what seems like a delay. If you will turn to Christ and know that he is able and believe that in your heart. Then you will find that no matter what you go through. No matter how much you suffer, it will be a pathway. It will be a pathway. A pathway from here to there. A pathway from this to new life. Suffering 
is always a pathway to new life. Someday, you will hear those words spoken to you. Come forth. Come, for come forth, Wayne. Come forth, Mary. Come forth, Jessica. Come forth, Don. Come forth, Adair. Come forth. Come forth. Come forth. And meet your Lord face to face.